2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. And having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I could preach on that one verse, but I'm not. That's not even my subject. But I thought I might read it just to remind some of us of what our job is. Amen. When you receive the promises that we cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness or letting holiness come to completion in our life in the fear of God. Receive us, he said, for we have wronged no man, we have corrupted no man, we have defrauded no man. I speak not this to condemn you, for I have said before that you are in our hearts to die and live with you. And great is my boldness of speech toward you, great is my glorying of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. And I want to go back and read that verse again because you cannot understand the significance of it until you get to the last two words. But listen to what Paul said. Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my glorying of you or my being prideful or encouraged by you. Great is my glorying of you. He said, I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all my tribulation. Now, that seems a contradiction to most of us. It would have been better if it would have read, I am exceeding joyful in all my abundance. I am exceeding joyful in all my successes. I am exceeding joyful in all of my victories. But he didn't say that. He said, I am exceeding joyful in all our trouble, tribulation. For when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, no rest. Anybody know anything about that? Anybody feel like your life could probably, uh, in some respect, mirror that statement by Paul that you are just worn smooth out? You have no rest. But we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings. Within were fears. Nevertheless. Everybody say nevertheless. God. Amen. That's all you need to read. It doesn't matter what else happens. It doesn't matter what else he might say. He simply said, nevertheless, God. He comforts those that are cast down and he comforted us by the coming of Titus. Everybody said, amen. I want to talk to you tonight about making progress amid chaos. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We are often of the opinion that we cannot really make progress in life unless everything is working together or all is in harmony 
And there is no opposition. How many of us are guilty of thinking that progress can only be made in a calm? That the only time that we can really advance is when no one is fighting us and everyone is for us. Chaos and the spirit do not seem compatible. And yet they are. Contradictions and the spirit seem incompatible, and yet they are. Everything does not have to be organized and managed in order for God to move. And God proved that to all of us in Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God moved on that darkness. The word in the Hebrew is chaos. God moved on that chaos. God began moving when nothing was organized, when nothing had been developed, when nothing had been brought to its fullest uh, purpose. God moved. And God proved to all of us That everything does not have to be organized and everything does not have to be managed in order for us to move or be moved by God. There are many people who sit waiting for things to be right. They are waiting for things to get right. They are waiting for things to be perfect. And I've heard people say, Brother Hughes, when I get it all together... How many people have I heard say that about living for God? When I get all of it together, when I get all of this worked out in my mind, and what they're saying is, God can't help me until I do that. God can't deliver me until everything's perfect. And yet, the Word of God contradicts that kind of thinking and that kind of understanding. And Paul was one who was a realist. He did not live in the fictional world of some spiritual fantasy. When you read the Apostle Paul in his writings, you find that he was very much down to earth. He was very much a realist. He did not delve into the wishes and the wants and and the hopes of life, but he dealt with reality. And the reality was... That for most of his ministry journey, he lived in constant opposition. And yet in the face of all of that chaos and opposition, there was a church that was birthed and born. And there was a move of God that swept across a world. And God began to fill people with his spirit in the midst of chaotic conditions And in a world where everything was wrong and nothing was right for the gospel to be preached, Paul preached that gospel anyway and God sent great revival. What I want to come tonight and do is encourage somebody that's living in a little bit of chaos right now. And you're thinking that one of these days it's all going to calm down and I'm really going to make progress with God. I'm here to tell you, you need to get off your chair right now and start walking because you can make progress in the midst of chaos. 
you can go forward and you can grow in spite of everything that is against you. You don't have to have everybody on your side and everybody cheering for you to be successful in living for God. You don't have to have everybody believing in you. All you got to do is believe the word of God and what that word says about you. And that word said you are more than a conqueror. That word said if God be for you, who can be against you? That word said that God is greater. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And if that word says that about me, then... I need to start believing what God's word is saying about me, not what people are saying about me. Amen. Not what family might be saying about me. Not what my enemies might be saying about me, but believe what God is saying about my life. Chaos, and yet the Spirit moved. Contradictions, and yet God moved. Chaos did not prevent God from moving or influencing the situation. How many of us tonight sit here thinking in our mind, because of our problem, because of our situation, because of all that is wrong or all that is against us or all of our limitations, then this is not a good time for God to move. This is not a good time to have a God moment. This is not a good time for me to expect victory. Paul said, let me tell you about life. I've been in a pressure cooker. I know what it is to have pressure from without and have things going wrong on the inside of you. I know what it's like to be be ostracized And to be rejected by my own people. I know what it is to be lied on and slandered and preached or spoken against. But he said, I also know what it is to wrestle with my own internal fears. I know what it is to lay down on my pillow at night wondering, am I really doing the will of God? Am I really where I'm supposed to be? Am I living for God the best that I know? Am I doing everything that I can do? How many times did Paul lay his head down wherever it might have been in a prison cell or in someone's house wondering if I'm where I need to be? He said, I know what it's like to have pressure come from outside and I know what it is to have problems on the inside. But he said, I learned something about living for God. You can make progress. You can go forward. You can see revival. You can experience the power of God. You can see miracles in your life in the midst of chaotic situations. Somebody ought to clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise for that right now. Amen. For some of us tonight, for those who feel like they're in a war zone, I've come to preach to you a little while tonight. You feel like you're in a war zone and you feel like your life is complicated by complexities. It's not one problem, it's many problems. And and you are aware of those problems and because of those problems. And we use them as an excuse for not making progress or not praying or or not reaching out. Because we think that one of these days the sky is going to clear up. Everything's going to be better. And when things get better, I'm going to do better. Paul said, let me give you a secret to life. 
you can overcome right now where you are. If you're living in a hell hole tonight, if you're dealing with devils and demons in your life, you can still have victory and you can still overcome. Because sometimes the victory is in, is not celebrated by just success. Sometimes victory is celebrated by just surviving. Amen. Just surviving. Sometimes you just have to tread water. Sometimes all you can do is, is just manage to keep your head afloat. But if you can just keep your head up, God will see you through. How many times do people sit waiting for things to be right? And they live with their life on hold. We live waiting for everything to be right. And everything to come together. Where there's no conflict. And there's no contradiction. And there's no disagreement. And there's no crying babies. And there's no this or that. And and we think, oh God, when I get to that point, God's really going to move. God said, I can move in the midst of chaos. A baby crying doesn't bother me. Neither does a chaotic situation bother me. God said, I can do right now what you need done if you just understand that. Amen. People quit. They live their lives hoping that one day everything's going to be right. Paul was tossing on a broken sea of trouble. Driven out by an Ephesian riot. Driven out of Ephesus by a riot. Waiting in Macedonia for the return of Titus. His own people hated him. The heathen persecuted him. And worst of all, people that were supposed to be Christian, people that were supposed to be living for God, were living anything but as Christian. He said, I have all of that on me. I have pressures from without and I have fears within. How did Paul ride out the storm? How did he make it? There are many things that come to cast a person down. Things that press in on us and come together against us. They come together in an effort to bring us down. Sleepless nights and anxious days. But the word of God kept the apostle Paul. And the promise of God's presence in his life kept him And nothing he realized could stop the arrival of God. Caesar can't stop it. No other leader can stop God's movement. I love this verse of scripture that said, and there were, and I salute the saints that are in Caesar's household. Caesar represented everything that was against God. He represented a world that was immoral, debauched. He represented a world that was filthy and vile and vulgar. A world that was absorbed with itself. And yet in the midst of that kind of hell, in the midst of that kind of ungodliness, somebody was born again of the water and the Spirit. Somebody received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the midst of Caesar's household. In, a, in, in the midst of a house who thought he was God. Caesar was God. He was reverenced as God. He was viewed as God. And they worshipped him as God. In the midst of all that, God sent a revival. Amen. I'm just here to tell somebody that you, you can make progress in the midst of chaos. You don't have to sit around waiting for things to get better. You don't have to put your life on hold thinking, you know what, when this person, 
when, when I get this person out of my life or when I get this issue out of my life or when I get this problem off my desk or when I work through this, you know what God said? You can make progress in the midst of chaos. You don't have to wait around for anything. I'm always going to be available and nothing can hinder me from coming. Caesar can't stop me. And if Caesar can't stop me, neither can Obama or Nixon or, or, or Bush or any other president that's ever served. I don't care who's the president of the United States. I don't care what the United Nations does. I don't care what the world governing bodies do. I don't care what the homosexuals do. I don't care what the lesbians do. I don't care what the atheists do. This thing I know that you cannot stop the hand of God. You cannot stop the work of God. You cannot stop the breath of God. You cannot stop the revival of God. I don't care who you are. Praise God. When I first started preaching, I was naive enough to think that one adulterer could stop the blessings of God in a church. You know what? One adulterer can't stop the blessings of God in a church. I was naive enough to think that one ungodly person could bring a halt to revival. And I spent all of my time and energy trying to get that one ungodly person to turn around. And God said, you know what? You're wasting a lot of time. They're reprobate. Leave them alone. Look at what else is out here. These folks won't revival. Quit wasting your time and your energy on something that's not going to pay off. Why don't you put your focus on something that will? And I learned that you can have a heathen sitting on the pew right beside you and still have a revival. You can have some ungodly, immoral person come into your church and you can still have a move of God. You don't have to have everything perfect. You can have liars on the platform and liars in the Sunday school and still have revival. Now, I know that contradicts some of your philosophy, but that's what Paul taught me. Paul said, I have everything, I had hell going on out here and hell going on in here. But nevertheless, God. God. God moved. God saved. God sent revival. God saved. God moved. God sent revival. Chaos does not prevent God from moving. So quit looking at the chaos and start looking for God. Quit spending all your time worrying about when this person gets out of your way, you're going to do better. Get your eyes on the Lord and it won't matter if that person's there or not. You know what I've had to learn to do in my years of pastoring? I've, learned to, I've had to learn to pastor with a blind eye and a deaf ear. And you know what? That just bothers some people to death because they want me to, they, they, they think first of all that I don't see anything and next they think I don't know anything. And you know what? If they want to think that, let them think that. I know what I know. I know why I'm here. And I know that there are some people that I will never turn around. There are some people that are going to die lost sitting on these pews because they made up their mind or they've got a mindset of their own and they're determined they know more about God than God 
And so, you know, you can spend your time worrying over them, but I've learned that sometimes I have to, I have to, I, I have, I've just got to go through life with a blind eye and a deaf ear. There are just some things I'm not going to waste my time worrying about. Now, if it begins to affect the body, I'll deal with it. But you know what I've learned? There's a lot of things that we think affects the body that God said, you'll just ignore it. The body will take care of it. If you'll just go on and worship me, if you'll just go ahead and believe me, if you'll just go ahead and open your eyes and look around, God's moving right now. God's stirring right now. God's helping somebody right now. You walk out of church and all that you see is what wasn't right. You're looking at the wrong thing, folks. Amen. In the midst of chaos, quit waiting for that person to move out of your line of sight. You, you may have to learn how to worship the Lord in the presence of your enemy. If God can prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy, surely you could learn how to worship in the presence of your enemy. Not that anybody here in the church is your enemy, but, you know, that's the fact is there are a lot of people that get all strung up and tied up and can't pray and can't worship and they can't be faithful. And you say, what's wrong? Well, really, it's just this problem here and it's this problem there. And this is not right and that's not right. And this person's doing this or that person's doing that. This one doesn't like me or that one doesn't. doesn't." You know what? It doesn't matter. I've learned that there's some people that are never going to like me. And that's okay. I may not like them. You know what? It's all right. You don't have to waste your life worrying over things that are really of no matter. What you need to do is get your eyes back on God. Paul said, these things are wrong outside and there's a lot of turmoil on the inside. Nevertheless, God. That's really all you need to know tonight. Nevertheless, God. Say it with me. Nevertheless, God. Not nevertheless Sue, or nevertheless Bill, or nevertheless George, but nevertheless God. Brother Hughes, you don't know what's wrong. I don't need to know what's wrong. I know what's right. Nevertheless God. You know what? God can make a way. Pharaoh can't stop him. A Red Sea can't stop him. When God sets a plan in motion... Nothing can stop God, Herod, trying to kill every baby in Jewry, trying to kill every child in Israel. It doesn't matter. God had his hand on that child and God moved him out of the way. I don't care. Herod, who it might be, Caesar or Nero or anybody else, nobody can stop the move of God or the hand of God. I remember many years ago when Brother Tenney, T.F. Tenney was the foreign missions director for our movement and he had come back from Poland. At that time, Poland was heavy under the, the hand of communism. Uh, there was, there were no churches allowed, no God, anything. Anybody that tried to profess Christianity was persecuted severely and there was some people that were from Poland, if I remember the story right, that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and they went back into their country, and they began to tell their friends about it. Revival broke out, and communities in Poland began to hear the gospel, and, and there were a lot of people that were coming to the Lord, 
And when the communist regime heard about it, they sent the military in and they, they were going to put it out. They were going to silence them. They were going to shut up those Christians. And oh, just like God, when they put the fire out here in the next community, revival broke out. And so the military went to the next community and they persecuted. They put some of them in jail and they thought, man, we're going to put this out. We're going to silence this. We're going to steal this voice. And do you know what? Revival broke out in the next community. And Brother Tenney said that everywhere the military would go and try to stop the move of God in that community, it would break out over here. They would go over here and it would break out over here. I'm just here to tell somebody tonight, you cannot quarantine the wind and you cannot stop a move of God or the hand of God and you cannot stop the work of God. I don't care if there's chaos all around you. I don't care if you live with devils and demons and everything else. God can still do what He wants to do. You need to learn how to make progress in the midst of chaos. Amen. Progress in the midst of chaos. This is what our reaction ought to be to chaos. Nevertheless, God. This is what our reaction ought to be to trouble. Nevertheless, God. This is what our reaction ought to be to bad news. Nevertheless, God. This is what our reaction ought to be to rejection. Nevertheless, God. This is what our reaction ought to be when people persecute us. Nevertheless, God. This is what our reaction ought to be when everybody looks at us and said, you're a failure. We need to stand up and say, nevertheless, God. Nevertheless, God. Nevertheless, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can make progress in the midst of chaos. Things don't have to be perfect. You need to learn that in every dangerous situation, you have a choice. The peril that comes to our lives can paralyze you or inspire you, one of the two. You ought to realize that the darker the night, the brighter the light shines, so let the light shine. Paul didn't get bitter. He didn't get mad. He didn't get angry. He didn't get moody and grouchy like we do. He didn't use those little words that we need to be careful about using. No, no, he, he didn't do that. He just said, nevertheless, God, nevertheless, whether my friends rally around me or not, amen, whether it gets better or not, amen, whether the tide turns or not, that's what that word nevertheless means. Whether everybody stands with me or not, whether everybody agrees with me or not, whether anybody stands with me or not, whether anybody defends me or not, amen, God will stand with me. Amen. Let it be said of us as it was said of those of England years past, this was their finest hour. Amen. You know when that was said? That was said in the middle of World War II when everything that could go wrong had gone wrong for the British Army and the British fleet. Germany was making inroads 
and seem to be on a direct path to overcoming all of Europe. And a statesman stood up and began to speak words of encouragement to a discouraged people, a people that were despondent because the war had made a turn and was going against them. And they were being bombed and London was being destroyed and buildings that they had coveted had been blown up. And in the midst of all that, a statement stood up and challenged them and called them out for who they were and reminded them that they were Britons, that they didn't cow down or give in to things like this. And his last statement was, let it be said of us that this was our finest hour. Folks, if I wanted to tonight, I can depress everybody in this building with just a little time. If you knew what I know as a pastor of this church and the many challenging situations that are faced by people in this church and the loose living that some people are participating in right now, if you were to listen to me a little while, you would walk out of here with your head hung and your feet dragging and your soul in remorse. But I've come to tell you tonight, I've never felt more in the will of God and I've never felt better about the work of God. And I believe that in spite of all of the lies of hell, we are going to see revival. Let it be said of us that this was their finest hour. Amen. This was their finest hour to discover in danger a divine assistance. To discover in danger a divine presence. To discover in danger a divine power. To discover in danger a divine purpose. If God be for me, who can be against us? To find in the presence of mine enemies a table prepared. Amen. A table prepared. We need to cleanse ourselves of the emotions of our times. I, I got a phone call just right prior to service. Somebody called just to share a little bit of the bad news going on today. Some decision that uh, was made by our government that uh, that that said that uh, they can no longer uh, they can no longer discriminate uh, in in giving children to people because they are felons. They they can no longer discriminate because it's uh, there, there's some other issues involved. So some some point of government in the United States has determined that now it doesn't matter what your past, you know, what your history doesn't matter if you're a felon, if you you're a vile, you know, nobody can 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 uh, uh, withhold that privilege of of, of adopting children or or having having the privilege of, of, of doing something like that. And I, I was listening to it. I'm thinking, you know what? I really don't need to hear this before service tonight. <laughs> I don't think. But anyway, I, that's, just, that's the world we live in. 
But you know what? You get calls like that. One, one phone call can turn your world upside down. One phone call can make you feel like that the world is just caving in. One reaction, one, one night of tension in the family and somebody said, I'm tired of this and boom, the walls fall down and everything goes to pieces. What's wrong with us? I'll tell you what's wrong with us. We've got our eyes on the wrong thing. We need to get our eyes lifted back up and remember that God is the purpose and He is still on the throne and He is the one that we are living for and it doesn't matter what happens on that outside. God said, I'm going to keep you in the midst of the chaos. Amen. There are emotions every day that upset us and harass us. Embitter us, distort, distress, tensions that come with the times that we live in. Paul said, there were, there were turmoil, was turmoil on the outside. There were fears on the inside. Nevertheless, God. Amen. You know what time it is? It's time to pray. Amen. It's time to pray. And it's time to get up from our praying and do something. And quit sitting, waiting, frozen by fear. Or frozen by the chaos. Thinking we can't do it until this is right. We can't do it until that's right. We can't do it until we get this fixed. And we can't, you know what? Why don't somebody just stand up and believe God? Why don't somebody just stand up and say, you know what? I don't care if anybody else stands with me. God is going to help us. Why doesn't somebody just stand up and say, you know what? It doesn't matter if anybody's for me or against me. God is for me. That's all that matters. And we're going to move forward. Amen. God is not dead, folks. I don't care what the government says. I don't care what the naysayers and the hellions of our day say. God is not dead. You know what we need to do? We need to climb out through prayer and discover in the midst of danger that God is still God in the chaos. He's God, as the old song, He's God on the platform. He's God back at the door. He's God in the amen corner. He's God all over the floor. He's God when there's lightning. He's God when there's thunder. It it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. We need to learn that we can make progress in the midst of chaos. Quit sitting around waiting for the clouds to clear and everything to be cheery and all the birds to start singing. Just get up and start moving. Because God is with you. Somebody say, God is with me. God is with me. And God being with me makes up for all that is against me. Amen. Amen. We don't always make progress uh, because there is no chaos. We make progress in spite of the chaos. Amen. And who among us does not need to know that tonight? Because we're all human and we're all prone to be taken by what we see. And what we see and hear oftentimes is discouraging. But I want to get back to what God has to say. Amen. I want to get back to what God has to say about my life, about my future, about my purpose, about this church. Amen. This is His church. Amen. 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 Praise God. This is His church. Praise God.
This is his church. And if God could raise a church out of Ephesus, which was one of the most immoral cities in the entire world, he could raise a church on the doorstep of hell. Amen. In Ephesus, the temples was there. Not only the temple to worship the heathen God, but the prostitutes were there to give them pleasure. And they could come and have their little orgies and do all of that immoral, ungodly stuff. And in the midst of that kind of chaos, in the midst of that kind of debauchery, God sent a revival. You know what? I know our world's bad. And I know that it appears that all of the uh, of the immoral people of the world are rising to the top right now. But listen to me. It doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. Amen. I'm telling you God is still in control. I'm telling you God is still on the throne. I'm telling you God is not dead. Amen. Amen. God is not dead. Praise God. But we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings. And within were fears. Anybody feel like you're there tonight? Without there's fightings. And within there's fears. Nevertheless, God. Praise God. Amen. Somebody say it. Nevertheless, Things don't have to be perfect. They don't have to be in order. You know, some of us are order freaks. And we, we, we spend so much time trying to make sure everything is in its right place that we miss a move of God or we miss an opportunity for a move of God. Praise God. Let's stand together.